by asking about you, if that makes sure. sense. Like, yep. um, what you're, I mean, you're a counselor, but uh, yes. I'd love to hear sort of your backstory. I guess you can call this like an introduction to yourself. Um, anything like that would be great. Yeah. So I am a licensed professional counselor. Um, I'm actually licensed in Georgia as well as Michigan, okay. as well as limited license in Indiana, because that's where so, I did my education. I think that's all that's really fascinating. I want to hear about this. Um, we, I want you to put your name in there because I probably already said it at the beginning, but it didn't happen when the recording was happening. So go ahead and introduce yourself to everyone, I guess. Yeah. My name is Becca Klein, um, and I am a licensed professional counselor, uh, both in Georgia, and then I'm also licensed in Michigan, and then also licensed in Indiana. Fantastic. So, uh, and, and here you are in Georgia with those two northern states sort of yes. <laughs> hanging around in there. I'd <laughs> yes. love, before we jump into everything, just a, a quick story of like, how would you go from up there to down here? I mean, Georgia is a place that a lot of people like to come to, Yeah. but what I guess what brought you here? Sure. Um, I'm kind of on a little adventure is, is how I keep kind of positioning it. I have considered moving to a bigger city for, I don't know, probably three or four years. Um, and I've looked at lots of cities. I've looked at LA, I looked at Dallas, I looked at Chicago, um, and kind of just came to the conclusion of, okay, I need to make a decision. Um, and Atlanta ended up being where I landed. Um, and I think it feels a little like it even comes full circle. I remember like driving down to Florida and my dad actually, um, his parents were born in Georgia. Oh. And so I remember like loving sweet tea and loving pecans <laughs> and like the Georgia peach thing. So, um, yeah, it's kind of fun. It's fun to be here. I think I'm a strange Southerner cause I don't really like sweet tea. I don't really like pecans. Mm -hmm. I could, I could live without peaches for the rest of my life. Like all the mm -hmm. things that are Coca-Cola, I'm not mm -hmm. super interested in soda. So I'm one of those people too that, that here I've lived my whole life and, uh, here in Georgia and I've never really cared for the typical Southern things. So know, right? uh, that is funny. We're gonna have to do some trading there, I guess. And we can, I know, I know. And even, and it makes me laugh because you say pecan different than I do, which is a whole thing in and of itself. How do you say, am I missing? So I say, I say pecan, uh -huh. but I don't know. You said something when I say it. So I'll say like pecan pie. Yes, Something I know. Like yes, like, I think people say it different. No matter like like all across the country, they say it different. <laughs> okay, I think that's super fascinating. It, it's mm -hmm. one of those things. I know someone's mentioned pecan. I'm like, that's how you say it's a, it, or a pecan might be another way. Yeah. To do it. Yes. Yeah. Pecan. So yeah, um, it's kind of pecan. pecan pecan pie. Yeah. <laughs> exactly right. Uh, I've worked hard to get that southern diction out, but it's uh, it's still comes back every now and again. I know, right? <laughs> Wherever you're sort of raised, it it, it sort of comes with you. On yeah. the whole. I know. I think I would like a Southern accent. So <laughs> maybe, I'll, maybe I'll pick it up while I'm here. It takes some time, maybe. <laughs> but uh, I don't know. I feel like accents are probably set earlier than that. I can't tell mm -hmm. you. Sure. They might be. Uh, my, my area of expertise. <laughs> uh, I, I couldn't help you there. So yeah. good luck. Thanks. Uh, I don't think you'll find it uh, in the city, but maybe outside the city. It'll I feel like I can it. say like really honest, straightforward things, but if I say it in a Southern accent, then it all of a sudden seems nicer. Yes, absolutely. I can agree with that part. <laughs> it feels less offensive. It's more like an insight about you rather than an insult about yeah. you. Yeah. It's like I walked away thinking she said something really nice, and in reality, that was not the case. But It, it was like, oh, wow, that was really bad, actually. <laughs> huh. Yep. That's good to know. Yep. 
Uh, and so, Becca, you are new here with Restoration Council, <laughs> um, or relatively new, we might say. Uh, you've been with us now for, I want to say, four months? Am I, am I picking uh, that up? I moved at the end of October. So. October? Yeah, yeah so, so three, four months? Yeah. Yep. Depending on how we want to uh, sort of measure that time there exactly. on the whole. Uh, exactly. I guess, how has been your uh, sort of uh, introduction and getting into a brand new state and a brand new city and a brand new climate and, and yeah. just up and starting a counseling practice? Yeah, it's been a little overwhelming uh, for sure. Um, yeah. And yet at the same time, I feel like I was expecting that that was going to be the process, like knowing that, okay, I'm going to be going to a new place and everything is going to be new. And that was part, I think, part of the adventure for me of stretching myself in that way. Um, cause I know sometimes I can have a tendency to maybe not pursue things that are new because they feel really risky and I could fail. Um, and so I, I feel like I was ready for the challenge, but also I'm trying to be gracious with myself that like, Hey, there's going to be some days where like you can only do as much as you can do. Cause so much of it takes a lot of energy cause it's all new. Yes. So that's kind of been my experience so far is like trying to push myself to do these new things and also like be gracious to myself in the process of some and days that might go well and some days it yeah. might not. I was going to say, boy, like I almost wish that's what we were talking about today because I feel like I could, <laughs> I could jump on that conversation for about an hour or two easily yeah. of, of that idea of, of you have these huge expectations. You want to get a lot more out of yourself and then you can't. And mm -hmm. what do you well, do with that? Yeah. And that actually, I mean, I think that probably will fit even in within the conversation that we're going to have, because part of me even being aware of needing to push myself in that regard is by doing work within process group and within these like developmental areas that um, I kind of work from. So I feel like it, it, it even fits within what we're talking about. I so. like it. I like it. So you've, you've sort of introduced our, our big topic for the day process group. I think this is a very like therapist term like I'm, I'm tracking with you for for some of these things so I guess I want to start with like what is a process group like just for anyone who's never heard of it or feels kind of yeah. like weirded out because it's, it's sort of a new term and it sounds strange so I'd, I'd love yeah. an introduction to that sure and I mean I think in some ways it's even hard to describe I mean okay. it honestly is just a group of people doing relationship together um, okay. There just happens to be a little bit more structure, you know, like there maybe is some time commitment that we've said, okay, we're going to meet once a month for a year, or we're going to meet, you know, every other week for 12 weeks or something like that. You know, so okay. you have some structure in it that isn't maybe typical of uh, just normal relationship yeah. um, and maybe a commitment to that time frame. but it's kind of just this opportunity to, um, build relationship with people and help heal some of the things that maybe have been broken throughout your life. Gotcha. I think that's, that's really interesting. So it sounds like it's a group that has a goal in yeah. a certain sense. Yeah. And I mean, and really the, the goal is just growth and to be like moving towards being more fully whole or kind of living from like a wholehearted stance, um, okay. where you're, you're all of who you were created to be. And or you're like pursuing that goal. Um, yeah, it sounds like openness is a is a really big key factor to this. Mm -hmm. So someone yes. could come to one of these groups with one goal in mind. Someone else could come with a slightly different or, or mm -hmm. bigger one in mind. And it sounds like the sort of what you get from it is going to be what you put into it. Oh, very much so. I mean, I think it, you have to be vulnerable um, in order to get the most out of it. And so a lot of it is just 
taking the risk to be seen and to be known and to allow things like, okay, so me struggling with failure, um, that's like me taking the opportunity to show that part of me, like that part of me that's super scared to fail and allow other people to see it. And then over time, the failure isn't as scary because I've experienced that, hey, I can fail and that's not actually as bad as I thought it would be. Yeah. I think that's really cool. I think yeah. that's really interesting. So I, I love the sort of the idea of, of someone who has this fear of failure or mm-hmm. um, just uh, inability to accept it well or something. Like, mm-hmm. I guess I'd love to hear some like sample goals that some people might bring in. Maybe you're like more common things that you might yeah. see, stuff like that. Yeah. So the one that I'm currently referring to is is kind of this tension of holding that we have good things about us and bad things about us. Um, okay. and, and most of us would prefer to not show the things that we don't like about ourselves. Um, but unfortunately that actually contributes to them staying underdeveloped or staying, um, showing up in your life in a symptom that you don't like, you know, whether it's addiction or whether it's, um, depression or anxiety or something like that. Yeah. So that would be like one thing. Um, another one might be, um, just struggling to say no Mm -hmm. in a situation. So a lot of times, that's hard for people or we have to like cut off from relationship completely in order to do that. And so, um, this would be kind of helping people. How do you stay connected in relationship, but also not lose yourself at the same time? Um, and they're all skills that we, that we need to learn to grow and be fully who we are created to be. Um, but we just don't always learn them as we're growing up. And so this is kind of a, a, an atmosphere to do that. Yeah. And it sounds like it's, the basis of it is this sort of like safe accepting place. Like yes. even if I don't a hundred percent understand or connect with your goal, it gives mm-hmm. me an opportunity then to, to practice empathy and to mm-hmm. grow in my connection. Of like, I don't have a hard time saying no, um, mm-hmm. at least not at this point in my life, but I very yeah. much understand people that do. But if I didn't yeah. seeing someone struggle with that actively coming in mm-hmm. and, and them reporting their progress or lack thereof progress, mm-hmm. and, it sounds like it's it's kind of good because it's it's almost like everything's on the table. Yeah. Everything's on the cutting board as yes. it were. Yeah, and like okay, so if you don't have a hard time saying no, you're going to probably bring resources and strength and um elements that that person could potentially use and need in order to grow to get to the point where they can do that better. And and then it also is going to help you have empathy maybe for somebody who struggles with that in a way that you never did before because you're seeing how hard it is for them. So it's like this mutually beneficial relationship where you're kind of giving and receiving um, in a way that we just don't always experience with the safety component. Because, you know, yeah. a lot of times we might take risks to be seen or be vulnerable outside in like the real life, but there's there's less structure Um and less safety that sometimes then comes as a result. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm totally following you there. So mm-hmm. like one of these groups, what would I expect like the average size to be? How many people might be in sure. one of these groups that you're running? Yeah, that's a really good question. Um, I would say that no less than six, no more than 10 is probably okay. the, the sweet spot. Um, okay. And I would say my preference would probably be the six to eight side of it. Just um, so that then everybody feels like the opportunity to get time and space to work on stuff. Yeah, it sounds like there's a number where it's too big that it, you mm-hmm. can't really do anything. And a number where it's too small where it might feel like too much pressure. Yes. Yep, exactly. And like, 
it ends up being really experiential, which can be a little scary for people. Um, but it's, it's at the person's comfort level. Um, and so when you have less people that can get a little bit more difficult, um, and you don't have the, um, iron sharpening iron perspective where, you know, if you have like six people, you've got a good variety of people that are going to, they're going to bring up stuff in you that you didn't even realize was there. Um, or they might remind you of somebody that you struggle with or you have difficulty with already. And it gives you an opportunity to try to figure out how to do relationship with somebody who's really different than you. Yeah. That's, I think that's really, really interesting. Mm -hmm. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if these groups, even if they have a time frame end up choosing to go longer or maybe have connection and relationship outside of the group. Oh gosh. Yes. Um, I mean, I've very rarely have I had people experience process group and not want to continue. Um, Hmm. I have heard it described as normative new Testament Christianity. So basically this like doing relationship. Yeah. Doing relationship together, life on life, um, where we're just in, in life together with each other. Um, and that over time, that helps us grow. Mm. And so this is kind of that opportunity. And then, yeah, people, once they get a taste of it, they're like, oh my gosh, I had no idea that that life or connection could be experienced like this. Cause most of the yeah. time we, we just, we don't get to experience connection at that yeah. depth. Yeah. Um, and I, so I, I, one thing I think I'm hearing this is comparison that's running in my mind, right. Is the idea of like the small group that a church might have that's based yes. on a community or a location, maybe similar age groups. There's, there's a lot of ways to break down something like that. Um, For but sure. you're, you're saying maybe there's some, some absolute similarities to there, but this is much, much more, or at least potentially much more vulnerable. Yes. Yes. Um, I think that we can have a tendency in small group settings, whatever that looks like, um, to struggle, to create the culture that is best suited for growth. Um, so you need grace and truth, and then you also need a time component, you know, and, and usually groups hit some of that or some level of that. Um, but oftentimes I think, especially in the Christian community, we can be a little high on the truth component (laughs) and we don't realize that like, I mean, actually, I, I think I heard this the other day. I think it was William Paul Young where he was like, truth, um, what did he say? Truth has a name and his name is Jesus. And how the truth sets us free is through relationship with him. So yeah. relationship with the truth. Um, and so this, I think, provides context of relationship. And then truth is more easily uh, received. Yeah. I know I can, I can agree with that a thousand percent. You're um, very, very close to getting me onto some sort of um, soapbox here. To, <laughs> Tangent, to yeah. Yeah, um, I, I do this a lot frequently in my practice. I try to get less and less on that, but it will come out of me. Table it for now. On the I whole. totally understand that. <laughs> so I, I'm, I'm interested to see what is the therapist's role in the process group? Like it sounds yeah. like the therapist has kind of a unique role. It's not... I love it here compared to traditional talk therapy in that sense and the role the therapist might have there. Sure. Yeah. It's, um, I think providing the structure, providing the safety. So for example, most of us, we, we struggle to know what to do and say when people are being vulnerable. Yes. And so as a therapist, I'm going to, I'm for everyone. And I also know that we may not know how to respond to someone in a way that's helpful. And so I'm, I might be, like helping someone move towards 
responding in a way that is safe and vulnerable instead of maybe trying to fix or give advice or like kind of talk from their head, which ends up still making someone feel kind of alone. Um, So we kind of help people get into the well together with each other. I I like this a lot. Can you give me like a hypothetical example of what that might look like in in your role as a therapist? Yes. So um, say somebody is talking about an addiction that they have not shared with anybody and there's a significant amount of shame around Mm -hmm. it. And so they take the risk to be seen. They take the risk to be known. um, And then someone responds in a way that um, ends up actually adding to the shame. So they might say, oh, well, you should should just try this, this, and this. And then all of a sudden that would make you not struggle with that anymore. Mm. Um, And unfortunately that ends up the person with the person sharing feeling a little missed, like feeling a little like, or maybe I tried that already. So they end up feeling more powerless because they've tried and failed. Um, so then what I would do as a therapist, I would say, it sounds like you, you know, are really wanting to help, um, you know, John with this struggle. Yeah. Um, have, have you ever had a time where you felt like just really stuck and you didn't know how to make the steps towards changing And then usually they're like, oh, yeah, like, you know, like I have felt that before. Like, that's really hard. And then that is closer to what John maybe needed instead of the advice or instead of the fixing or instead of the unintentional sometimes adding shame or adding a feeling of being powerless. So and we, we might do something creative and fun, like movement oriented to help embody this a little bit. Oh, I definitely want an example of like. Uh, okay, yeah, I actually have a good example. So I had um, okay. a scenario where there was a woman who just was, she was struggling to stand up for herself, okay? okay. She gave the, the word picture of a, like, it feels like the person is a fan and they're just like blowing me over, right? Okay. So we happen to have a fan in the room. Okay. I think that was totally just a God thing, right? So we put the fan up on a podium and turned it on. And we had her with the support of the group, you know, whether it's just, uh, you know, a brief touch or just standing near her, try to kind of exude this support and strength for her to put words to um, what she needed to put words to, to stand up for herself. And so it's like requiring you to have your body go through something that has been really hard for you to do, but to do so in a community where you're like borrowing from their resources. And so you're able to do something that maybe you weren't able to do before. Borrowing from the resources. Um, yes. Can you explain what you mean by that? Right. I think resources is an interesting term. You're you're not yeah. talking about the fan as a resource here. You're talking about people's resources. Correct. Yeah. So um, you talked before about the fact that you can say no fairly yeah. easy, right? So you might have words for her to say to the person that she feels like is blowing her over in a way that she she might not be able to access that same strength that you have, and so you might even put words to what she's trying to, Hmm. um, and help give her those, uh, give her those words, but you're also kind of giving her that energy. Um, like we are connected as people, um, kind of through our emotions. And so if you're feeling this strength, she ends up starting to feel it a little bit too. Yeah. And so we actually help her have more capacity than she would have before. Yeah. Um, 
or maybe it's even acceptance. Like, so maybe somebody's just standing near her and they're offering acceptance to her that, hey, even if you can't put words to what you feel like you need to, it's okay. Like, we're with you and we'll be with you until you're able to do that. Or even if you're never able to do that. Hmm. And to kind of sort through the shame that might come with the fact that, like, you just feel really stuck, you know? Yeah. And no, so, it, it, yeah. So that would be some examples of resources, I guess. Yeah. No, I, I, I love that. And as I'm listening to this, you know, I, I think it's fantastic. I think it's such a good idea. Um, and I, I wonder, and, and if you have any experience in this, I'd, I'd love to hear it. For a certain group of people, this sounds like it's a it's an easy onboarding process. They're ready to go. They've already done a lot of processing. And if you've mm-hmm. done process groups before, it sounds like it goes much more smoothly. Mm-hmm. I imagine that some people who are resistant, um, yes. who maybe just aren't jiving with it, don't understand it, don't yeah. connect to it. Um, maybe even honest, quite honestly, maybe find it really strange. Mm-hmm. Like, like what do you do as a therapist when someone in the office is there and they maybe kind of don't want to be doing that yep. that way? You know? Yeah. I'd love to hear your thoughts on that. Yeah. That's a really good, that's a really good uh, question. I mean, in some regard, if someone chooses to participate in a process group, they maybe are more at least, open to the idea. However, plenty of times have had process groups where um, it was a requirement for the program that they were in. And so you you have to start with where people are at, right? So if someone has a lot of fear or they have a lot of like, this is weird, (laughs) or like it feels really vulnerable, um, you have to give them an opportunity to be where they are and for them to put words to like what's holding them back. So So again, another like movement way to potentially do that is to, you know, have them position themselves within the room in terms of how like in the group they feel or how much a part of the group they feel. So some people, I mean, I've had people like literally by the door because they're like, I'm not trying to be here. Um, And then we just kind of talk about where you are and like what kind of contributes to you being here and what would it be like to take a step forward? What would you, what would you need? So most of the time it's like, well, I would need to know that people aren't going to judge me or I would need to know that like, um, it's safe, Mm. you know, like I'm not going to reveal myself and be vulnerable and then end up being, having people respond in a way that makes me feel like I never want to do that again. Mm. So I think, you know, if you have somebody who's like, I'm not sure about this, you, I mean, it's my job to honor where they are um, yeah. and then help them on their own path of like what it looks like to move closer towards relationship um, in whatever capacity they can, in whatever timing they can. Um, but we're all, I mean, we're all in a process and we're all in a journey and it's all, um, we all start at different places. Yeah. Um, and so I kind of let people dictate that while also inviting them towards closer relationship um, as long as they're willing to, you know, be a part of it. Yeah. It sounds like invite is a very, very big part of this small little yes. invitation to things. Yeah. I mean, I think people have to have the freedom um, to say no, you know, so there's been definitely times where I've invited somebody to do something creative and they have felt like, I'm not sure that I really want to do that. And that even that alone is actually a really big piece of growth in and of itself. 
Mm. Right. So like you, you just said no. And you said no to essentially like an authority figure, which oftentimes is places that people already struggle. So it's like, even that part of it ends up being really beneficial. Yeah. I think that's really cool. Yeah. It, really anything that happens is fodder. It is. Yeah. Uh, even if, even if I blow it, honestly, like even uh, if I like make mistakes as the therapist or as, um, the facilitator, it, it ends up still being productive. Um, I mean, I've been in process groups before where I was participating and I just felt like this doesn't fit. This isn't quite how I feel, but I, I, I didn't, I didn't know what I was feeling or why. And so it took, I mean, it took like months of like continuing to kind of just remember that experience and then new pieces of information that I was realizing started to put together. Oh, like that's what was going on. I didn't like what was happening, but I, but I really struggled to address that. I don't like what's happening. Yeah. And so I couldn't say anything. Whereas like now I could probably say, no, this doesn't fit or this isn't quite right. Yeah. So even okay. mistakes ended up being really beneficial and productive mm. for me. No, I think that's cool. It kind of sounds like the cornerstone of this is mindfulness. I think that that's a, a big piece of it. I mean, uh, it's essentially just trying to help people know themselves and to know like what gets in the way from them having um, relationships that give life and to help give life to other people. Yeah. Um, and so, uh, yeah, I mean, I think that's the goal essentially. Yeah, I like that. Um, so when it comes to this sort of like self-awareness uh, mm -hmm. or, or mindfulness, I guess I, mm -hmm. I'd love more of like an explanation, like what does that look like? I think that's a, it's a term that makes on the one hand, perfect sense, like mindfulness, mm -hmm. but mm -hmm. on the other hand, it sounds so weird at the same time. So. Yeah, it does sound weird. Um, and I think, I think in order, I don't know if dumb it down is the right word. I don't okay. even really like that per, or that bring phrase. It, bring it out. Bring yeah, it out. Yeah. 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 Kind of bring it to the ground a little bit, but, um, I think in, in some regard, it is just being connected to yourself okay. um, and how maybe other people um, impact you. Mm -hmm. And so like, if I think about being mindful, I think about just trying to be aware of like, what am I thinking? What am I feeling? What is, what am I feeling in my body? Um, I think that can sometimes be really beneficial for people to, to like, just pay attention to like, my shoulders are like raised or like my mine stomach. Are right now. Yeah. I know. <laughs> I know sometimes I have to like push mine down. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, but yeah, just kind of to like pay attention to like, okay, what's going on in your body? Cause a lot of times we don't have words for how we're feeling. Um, but we can notice physical sensations a little bit more. Um, and so I think being mindful of, or aware of, okay, like my knee is bouncing up and down or, I'm holding my breath or, um, my stomach is in knots or I'm like burning up inside and I feel like I'm going to explode. Mm. Um, I think that was one for me. I, I struggled with allowing my anger to show up and still struggle, I think, and I'm getting better at it, but, um, I think I would, I was containing so much that, I mean, it literally, it was like my chest was burning. My shoulders are like super tight. And, and it was easier to put words to that than it was for me to put words to the anger. Mm -hmm. um, and so I think for me, when I think about m being mindful, it's just kind of being aware of like, 
okay, what is my body experiencing? And then also like, am I, what am I thinking? What am I feeling? What am I aware of in other people? Um, like, oh, like when I said X, Y, or Z, it seemed like they didn't like that. And so it's like being aware of myself, being aware of others, being aware of others impact on me. Yeah. Um, and all of that just ends up helping us create relationships that are more fulfilling. Yeah. And more life-giving. It, it really sounds like it's digging the richness out mm -hmm. of life. It really uh, is. And I, I see this being very, very helpful, particularly I'm thinking about people who go through the motions of life and you know have all of the things, but none of the meaning and none of the connection. And Yeah. Um, I'm sure I can definitely pick up a lot more areas than just that. But as you're saying those things, I'm thinking mm -hmm. this sounds like a really great place for people who just feel like they're going through the motions and they're just acting like a human being. I think our recording broke up. So give me one second to try to fix that real fast. There we go. I, I was going to say, I'm, yeah. Okay. <laughs> Perfect. Yes. I think our recording broke up. I'll try to fix it real fast. Okay. It's I'm going to leave this in because it's so appropriate for the topic that we're talking about. That's true. It very, is very much so a part it, of it. It fits in, right? It's it does. The, it's thematic. So it, it works. People need to see I am recording something and yep. recordings happen. Yeah. Uh, this is life one step at a time, right? It is. And that it's okay. Like, I don't know. Honestly, the more that we each show our vulnerability and the more that we show our humanity, the more we don't feel alone. Yes. <laughs> you know, I agree with that a thousand percent. Yeah. Um, no piece of advice is ever as good to me as someone that comes up next to me and says, I know how you feel and I'm sorry. Exactly. Like, I, I mean, most of the time we have incredible problem solving capacity. We don't necessarily need for someone to be like, oh, you should just do da 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 da, you know. Um, but we do need somebody to come alongside us and be like, man, I get that because I've had that too. You know, I've experienced that too. Yeah, absolutely. So, so how, how would, you know, if I were a consumer, and I was really considering, um, you know, let's say process groups versus traditional talk therapy. Mm. How, how do I differentiate what I, is going to be best for me? Because I always think from the, the consumer side, it's a hard decision. Right? Mm -hmm. like how, I'm uninformed mm -hmm. and I just know, hey, I, I know I need something. Yeah. Maybe I have language for that. Maybe I don't. How, how am I going to be able to pick one over the other? Or what might be some guides to help somebody pick one from the other and know what's right for them? That's a really good question. And I'm not sure that I have this like brilliant answer, but that's okay. Uh, <laughs> um, I, so a couple things I would consider, um, I think is probably where you are in, in your process of growth. Um, okay. I think there is less, less, less chance for you to be, um, I think there's probably maybe a little bit less risk in individual therapy, okay. um, than there okay. is. And maybe I shouldn't even say a little less. Like, I think there is less risk in okay. individual therapy because you maybe have less people, you have less people in the room. So less people to impact you, less people to annoy you, less people to frustrate you. Um, and as a therapist, like my job primarily is to, to be safe, right? Yeah. Whereas like in a group setting, I do have some control as a therapist to like create this sense of safety. Um, yeah. And yeah, at the same time, we're all human beings and we're all going to make mistakes. And that is part of the process. Like part of like the rupture and repair of normal relationship is what is so beneficial about group. 
Um, and so, and that should happen in individual as well. But if you're at a place where it's like, I need that safety, like for sure. Um, then I think maybe starting with individual is a really good place to start. I really like the two of them together, but I know that that's ideal. Um, (laughs) because then you can talk about what happens in group in individual and be like, well, this person drives me crazy and I'm paying, you know, like I'm, I'm noticing I'm getting pissed off at them all the time, you know? And so it gives you an opportunity to kind of talk about it. Um, so I don't even know if that really answers your question, but I think that, (laughs) I think that there's benefit to both. And I think that ideally you could do both at the same time. And if you can't, um, I don't know as though there's this like hard and fast rule one way or the other. Um, yeah, yeah. Rules are always kind of difficult on the whole. I know. know I I realize I, I realized recently that I apparently don't like to be boxed in. So maybe (laughs) that's, maybe that's this showing up. Um, yeah. I can't think of anything other than that, really. Yeah, I know I'm following you. My only thought is maybe if someone's never done anything related to that before, I might start with individual therapy at that point. Um, yeah. One, if you're like, you have no clue what anything is, like, it'd mm-hmm. be really good to have that that sort of individual guide and, and give you some impressions. And then after you've kind of gotten some self-awareness and things like that, then you could work your way into a process. Yeah, I think that's that's a good point because I think, individual can help with that mindfulness process of like getting to know yourself and getting to know like how people impact you. Um, I think that a lot of times we get stuck in individual therapy. Mm. Um, and so I think a group can be a really good way to like bring in new angles that can maybe contribute to getting unstuck. It's maybe not always fun, right? But it's really good for us. And so I think that would be another piece of it. Like I often have people that I'm seeing individually that I could see that them really benefiting from a group setting just because it's going to bring up more stuff to work on. No, I I could totally see that. And is that difficult, you know, seeing someone in an individual setting and then maybe they go to some sort of process group and they are not bringing things to the table that you know they need to bring. Oh gosh. Yes. Um, (laughs) and I, I, it's tricky to be someone's individual therapist and run a group for them. I've done that. Um, but it, it can get a little convoluted. Um, but yes, that is, you know, as an individual, then I will be encouraging them towards bringing that to the group. And so that's a benefit of having both them as individual and as a group. Um, but yeah, it can be a little maddening if they are unwilling to, but even that though, then that gives me the opportunity to like step in and say an individual, like, okay, what holds you back? You know, like what holds you back from taking that risk? Or even in the group setting, like I can, I can even provide that invitation in the group setting too of like, you know, because if you have somebody who's not participating a ton, again, as a facilitator, I'm not going to try to call you out necessarily and like embarrass you, but I am going to, again, provide an invitation. Yeah. Um, And usually as the group gets closer, the group, the group will end up doing that. They're like, well, we want to hear from Susie. (laughs) <laughs> you know, we haven't heard from Susie enough. <laughs> yeah, exactly. When I, uh, when I teach, I teach on the side. Um, mm-hmm. and I will try to do that as I get a class that's growing closer and closer together. I find by the end of the class, they are actually looking towards some of their more silent classmates yes. that actually have some yes. really interesting and, and great stuff to say. 
um, by then they're saying, what do you think of this? And, and usually the quiet person will kind of start volunteering. So um, mm-hmm. I, certainly it's how I can bring therapy to the classroom. I think that's always important. Hey, that is a yeah, whole other podcast I need to run. Uh, <laughs> totally on board with you. So I, I want to put you in the hot seat for one second with this. Okay. What are some things that you have gained personally from doing process groups? Things you've processed through, things you've grown in. I'd love to hear your personal enrichment um, running or being a member thereof. Yeah. So I'll speak primarily from the participant perspective. um, Just because, I mean, if, you know, I think that's maybe most beneficial. Um, I think I have been in... Mm-mm. Well, I don't know. I can't sit here and name a number. Um, sure. cause I, I had one this, this whole last year I was in a process group that met once a month. Um, okay. and so, yeah, anyways, um, I have been able to process family of origin issues. So, um, you, yeah. Explain when you say like yes. family of origin like that. Yeah. I'm thinking yeah. like you're from Italy or you're from Germany, you know, like some sort of place like that. What do you mean? <laughs> yeah. So, um, I think I just, I grew up in a culture of like, maybe we, we want to be giving and we want to be kind and we want to, um, be considerate of other people's feelings. And yeah. I, that's, that's all really good. Um, yeah. and, and somehow or another, you know, like, you know, as a little kid, you kind of misunderstand the richness of some messages. Right. And, and that like, I don't always have to be kind to somebody or like being kind to somebody doesn't mean that I don't need to take care of myself. Well, yeah. And so I've had to figure out how to take care of myself better, speak up and say no, or to say, Hey, I don't like this. Um, or to have needs like just in general, so I think my tendency has been personality wise to kind of be towards a caretaker where mm. I'm, I'm looking at someone else's needs as being more important than my own, which again, very, very Christianese, right? Like sure. somebody, you know, you're supposed to kind of be sacrificial and, and think of others as better than yourselves. And yes, however, I think the process of like taking care of yourself well lends to being able to give freely because you're taking care of yourself well. And so I think that's one thing is I've learned how to let go of or am learning how to let go of what other people need and not take responsibility for it, um, to let them ask for what they need instead of like trying to analyze what they need and figure it out. Um, Let's see what else. I think I've learned to practice saying no or saying like – that's not quite right. That's not what I'm feeling. Um, I don't like that. I've learned how to ha- like own my more like my personal power a little bit more, where giving myself the opportunity to have choice, have freedom, have authority. Um, probably the biggest piece um, would be holding good and bad tensions in my life. So. Yeah, yeah, I'd love to hear about that. Like, what, do you, what do you mean? <laughs> yeah, so I have a tendency to be pretty shame-based and be pretty performance-oriented. And so... Uh, you're applying towards yourself, not towards other people so much. Correct. Yeah, I mean, I think that when you're that way towards yourself, you can be that way towards others. Like, you can end up having a tendency to jump to being a little judgmental or a little, like, unintentionally condemning towards people because you're usually that way for yourself. Yeah. So. 
So I have been usually pretty hard on myself with any mistakes. Um, and so I think that one of the biggest things that I've learned with process groups is having like sharing the parts of me that I'm scared. If people see them, they're going to like reject me. They're going to condemn me. They're going to judge me. They're going to criticize me. They're going to not want to be in relationship with me, especially if I continue to struggle with yeah. things. And so for me, having a community or process group of people where like they're willing to hold that bad stuff and still see good things in me like because my tendency was like once I'm showing you my bad stuff all good things that I have to offer are like gone it's mm. like I'm I'm like all bad okay. right and so when you have somebody else be able to extend compassion and grace and mercy and patience and like long suffering to you when you can't extend it to yourself over time you start to be able to like take that stuff in and be able to learn how to be Yeah. Um, and it Im impacts your relationship, you know, with the Lord too, where it's like, I can receive things from him more because I've experienced having other people do that for me too. So that helps me be able to believe that he can do the same thing hmm. no, instead, I think instead of just feeling like embarrassed that, and that he's like disappointed in me. Yeah. I think that's, that's very good. I think you, you hit on a lot of issues that I think people don't even realize exist. Yes. Yeah. Um, and I, I think that that's probably where I work is in that realm. So both okay. individually and in groups, I, I probably go after things that people don't even realize are why they have the symptoms that they have, mm. you know, cause most of the time we come in and we're like my, you know, if we're coming into a counselor and using like a medical, you know, example, my toe hurts. Yeah. Can can you fix my toe? <laughs> and I'm like, well, sure. But like eventually, like your whole foot's going to turn green because you actually have an infection. And so yeah. like if, if we don't address the infection, like it doesn't matter if I, you know, like put a bandaid on your toe, you yeah. know. So I think that's like where I, whether it's group, whether it's individual, like that's how I work with people is yeah. to try to go after some of these things underneath that end up resulting in like bad fruit <laughs> or bad mm. symptoms that they just, that they don't like, you know? Yeah. No, I, I love that. Thank you. Thank you for sharing all that. I think that's, mm. that's super awesome. And I can tell there's been this long back catalog of, of progress and work and yeah. steps and missteps and, and mm -hmm. spirals and <laughs> rabbit holes. And Oh my gosh. Um, yeah. Uh, I, I wish I had time to get into those. Trust me. I, I yeah. should, my next podcast should be like a, uh, maybe I call it a fail cast where we all just talk about oh my gosh, like, yes. all of our failures. We need it. Um, it's so me. normal. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it's, it's where life is. is what I like to say. Yeah. I mean like that's how we learn, but it's like somehow or another, it's like as a kid, you know that that's normal. Like, okay, if you're learning to walk, you're going to fall 50 million times, but like, why do we at some point shift towards that's not normal? It's like, no, as adults, that's still part of it, you know? Yeah, exactly. And, and there's a lot of things from social expectation to yes. pressure from, from family of origins and yes. things like that. Yeah. It, it goes deep. So I'm um, yeah. sort of bringing us home here for the moment. Mm -hmm. So are you currently running process groups? I'm not, but I'd love to. <laughs> very nice, very um, yeah. Nice. So I think that um, that's on the agenda for me to be open to and willing to do for people. Yeah. Um, 
so it's just a matter of um, kind of getting it going. So if you, you know, if, if there are people that are interested, I'm open to doing it. And this this will be very interesting. Now, it sounds like one of those things, and this is, of course, how my mind works, just being a giant nerd. Mm-hmm. It sounds like there's a potential for this to be a digital thing. You know, uh, that's a really good, that's a really good point. Um, have seen some people experiment with that. Um, and even doing like, even, okay. So I also teach classes, right. And, and have a lot and online classes. So have like an online classroom and even something like, like touching the screen to try to like have movement involved or like embodying like, okay, how are you feeling towards so-and-so and like, you know, turning your chair To try to, again, kind of have that same, I don't know, experiential feel. So I think that, yes, it could be something that could be done digitally. I think, obviously, bread and butter would be in person. um, Because you you lose a sense. Like, you lose uh, the touch sense um, when you are not next to each other, right? But it's amazing how much can be communicated even digitally. So I think, yes, it could be. preference would probably be in person. But. Oh, no, I'm, I'm totally feeling the same way. But I could definitely see certain groups of people being mm-hmm. that being such a good option, perhaps if they're uh, absurdly busy. Um, yes. and they just can't find time to to drive in, be a part of a group, you know, do all yes. that. They can only plug in for an hour, maybe an yep. hour and 15, an hour mm-hmm. and a half, once a month, something like yep. that. Yep. Um, yeah, I think, I think you can definitely be creative and pursue something like that for sure. That would be very interesting. I'm mm-hmm. you're you're definitely making the sparks fly. <laughs> I had a little bit with that. And I'm going, all right, you know, could I do that? And how do you do that across state lines? So I'm sure there's Oh, I know, I know, right. Then it gets a little bit more interesting on, it does. on how would you do that. So I think that's that's super fascinating. Um, it does. So I really hope that you start leading up some process groups. Um, mm-hmm. I, I'm, I'm not even sure how you go about like advertising those things or anything like that. Uh, it sounds like an area you're you're much more familiar with. Yeah. Um, but if people are interested in talking to you about like process groups, starting their yeah. own process groups, getting more information, how can they get a hold of you to get in contact? Sure. Yeah, I think best way would probably be um, email or phone. Um, so email is Becca at restorationcounselingatl.com. Or you can call at 678-534-3824. And then my extension is 156. Very nice. Very nice. And I'll try to have that in the uh, detail notes for this episode as well. Perfect. Uh, so if people have any questions on that, they can reach out to you because they shouldn't reach out to me because I don't know that much about it. Um, <laughs> you can just send them my way. So I'm, I'm happy to do that. Yeah. Trust. Yeah. Uh, Becca, I guess any final thoughts that you want to share? Um, mm-hmm. Anything we didn't get to cover about process groups, things that you sort of want to. Um, yeah. The floor is yours. Yeah, no, I appreciate that. I don't know as I have anything else to add. I feel like if there are questions, I guess maybe would be one thing that I would say is I'm happy to answer them. Um, Even now, before we have anything set up in stone, I'm happy to to answer if people have questions. Yeah, I think that's really cool. Well, And, um, and we should have the failure podcast. I'm uh, trust me. I'm I'm so thinking about that right now. <laughs> I mean, trust me, it's running through my head. And I, I, as soon as I figure out how to monetize that, I'm on board. I know, so right? I I'm know. always thinking about those sort of things. So hey, that's, that's right. I can geek out with you pretty easily. There we so go. No <laughs> Branding, monetization. I'm into all of it. I'm I'm always my brain's running on that. That's a whole another podcast. 
Like, exactly. Like not even <laughs> like whole other brand of podcast, right? Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> Trust me. I'm, I'm working on it. I'm getting there. Um, Becca, thanks for joining us today. I really appreciate yeah. your time. I'm, I'm really excited about the stuff I learned. I think it's super fascinating. Yeah. Um, so uh, we will talk to you later and thanks again. All right. Thank you.